This is Smart Women, Smart Power, a podcast that features conversations with some of the world's most powerful women. Women can do anything they want in the Marine Corps right now. It's fascinating. Not the Marine Corps I joined. We feature women who are breaking barriers and shaping the future of foreign policy, national security, international business, and development. I'm Beverly Kirk, the director of the Smart Women, Smart Power Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. Three years ago, the Marine Corps aligned its cyber, electronic warfare, signals intelligence, and other information environment operations under a single structure. It's led by the senior ranking woman in the Marines, Lieutenant General Lori Reynolds, the Deputy Commandant for Information and the commander of the Marine Corps Forces Strategic Command. In this role, she's responsible for policies, plans, and strategies for operating in the information environment. She's also the principal advisor to the Commandant of the Marine Corps on all information issues. I spoke with her about the importance of a whole-of-government approach to information in today's interconnected world and her three-decade career in the Marine Corps. General Reynolds, thank you so much for joining the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Beth, for having me here. First, let's talk about the information environment. What does the Marine Corps mean when it says information environment, and how is that different from information warfare? Yeah. So the information environment we view as the individuals, the people, the organizations, and the processes um, that collect, process, disseminate, or actually act on information. Uh So the difference between the information environment and information warfare is, you know, the environment is the environment that we all find ourselves in. The, uh, The warfare aspect of that is what you do. Um, against a competitor or an adversary in that environment. And so can you talk about today's information landscape and the strategy that's needed to handle the information, which today is being weaponized by a lot of different global actors? Yeah, it's a fascinating time, really. Um, the landscape that I would say is, is just simply it's contested, even here at home. Um, so as you even think about our election security mm-hmm. and things like that, we are being contested, and we just have to be aware of that. One of the interesting things, I think, about this idea of um, the information environment with regard to warfighting is that the geometry that we are u- used to as, as warfighters, as Marines in this case, is really different, right? We're really used to fighting in the domains of land and, and sea and the undersea. We are not used to fighting in a geometry like cyber and space that, you know, the contributors to the information environment. And so understanding today that, that all of those spaces are now contested, the assumptions that we used to make about our ability to command and control, our ability to use space, timing, geolocation, those things, they're all going to be contested. And so we are trying to get ourselves ready for that fight. And part of the work that you're doing to get ready, I read where you've outlined your four main priorities for this year. And one of them, I guess, at the top of the list is modernizing the Marine Corps network. What will that entail? What will yeah. you have to do to, to get the ball rolling on that? Yeah. So we have an increased focus right now on our ability to command and control in this contested environment. And so what does that really mean? That means We need to be able to modernize the network. We need to be able to take best advantage of high-velocity computing assets. We need to be able to position ourselves. I think in in the next fight, even in today's fight, as you think about competition, it's all about data, 
right? So it's understanding your data, being able to manipulate that data, own that data, um, share that data at will. And so think about cloud, think about artificial intelligence, positioning yourself to be able to um, incorporate some of those modern technologies in, quite frankly, a network that we've really taken for granted our ability to command and control in the past. So we're working a lot on trying to bring ourselves into the 21st century. And what are the challenges associated with making that Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a leap into the 21st century yeah. from for the network, but what are the challenges that you are going to have to deal with in yeah. order to make this happen? So at the service level, my job is to organize, train, and equip and prepare that that network uh, for the warfighters to use. Uh, there's manpower. You know, how, how do we train a modern workforce? Uh, Bev, how do I retain a modern workforce in this very competitive IT environment? How do you build cybersecurity? Uh, into that uh, environment. And then, of course, always, always at the forefront is, do we have the resources that we need to be able to deliver that capability? As the department is modernizing other things and building a space force and all these other things that compete Mm -hmm. for resources, those are some of the challenges. And let me ask you this, is the Marine Expeditionary Force Information Group's part of this modernization? Yeah, they sure are. So, Talk about what they do. Yeah, that's a good question. So so a couple years ago, then General Neller, our commandant, said, you know, look, we know that we're going to have to think differently about this next fight and this next competition. And so how do we change the organization of the Marine Corps to begin to think about fighting in the information environment? So we created a formation inside our three-star headquarters called the Marine Expeditionary Force. So those are lieutenant general-led formations. And we have colonels now inside the Marine Expeditionary Forces, and they are leading organizations called the MEF Information Group. So what is this? This is a combination of communications, intelligence, Signals intelligence, we built some new capability in that group called for defensive cyber. So we built some organic defensive cyber capability. We're trying to rebuild our electronic warfare capability. And we're also adding uh, capabilities uh, for PSYOP, mm-hmm. so psychological operations. And so we believe in the Marine Corps that the, the comprehensive and cumulative effect of bringing all of these together in a way uh, that, that gives that MEF commander or commanders below him ability to really understand and synthesize the information environment is something they're going to need. And if I could follow up really quickly on that, when you think of the Marine Corps training and what Marines do, this is not exactly the picture many people have in their mind because, as you say, the information warfare is completely different and the training for it is completely different than training to fight a battle yeah. either by land, sea, or air. Yeah. So to be clear, listen, the Marine Corps exists to be the nation's 911 force. You know, that Marine infantryman is always going to be our point of main effort, always. But how can we use the information environment around that infantry division or that infantry battalion to better enable mm-hmm. him or her today to be able to own and understand, you know, that environment? Mm-hmm. It has to do with you know, owning the narrative around that presence mm-hmm. of that infantry unit. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's about spectrum. It's about bringing cyber capabilities to that young infantryman. Mm-hmm. That's what it is that we're trying to do. It's just there, there are additional domains now that we're trying to better enable that infantry force to be and, able to. And let's talk about the other priorities that you've set for 2020, institutionalizing information as a warfighting function. Yeah. I would think that that is absolutely critical in yeah. today's environment. 
Yeah, it is. I think that this idea of information as what we call a warfighting function. So previously there were six warfighting functions. So these are functions that commanders have to think about. Mm -hmm. Things like intelligence, command and control, the ability to maneuver, the ability to bring fires. We have just added information now at the commander level to think about the information environment. Think about the message that you and your forces are spending. Think about the competition to be able to command and control. Think about space and cyber and integrate that all with all of these other domains in a way that we're not reactive but proactive. Uh And importantly, Bev, this isn't just in the contact layer, in that kinetic fight. This is during the competition phase as well. So, So what is the message around... You know, if you think about the events of the last month or so, you know, think about the message around an infantry company being able to land on a moment's notice inside that Baghdad embassy complex when those protests right, were happening. Right. Think about the messaging associated with that. Think about what that says to our allies and partners that we are going to be there. That's what we're talking about is build this into your plan. Own the message retain the message, fight for information. Uh Another priority, uh, building integrated naval operations in the information environment capability. I I guess a simpler way of saying that is making sure that the Navy and the Marines can talk to each other effectively. So so our Commandant General Berger, his priority is to get us back into thinking like a naval force. So these are our roots. These are Mm -hmm. the roots of the Marine Corps. We come from the sea. And if you think about some of the challenges that we think we will have ahead of us with some of our peer competitors, we believe that we're going to have to dominate the sea. And so the idea now is, you know, how can the Marine Corps as a sea service better enable the Navy to accomplish its principal mission of sea control, retaining sea lines? And and how can we as a naval force better integrate into the Navy and, and think about working as an integrated force? How do we think about providing a naval capability to the joint force? Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So so what I have my team working on is from an information environment perspective, what does the Navy do well? Mm-hmm. And how can I complement with what the Marine Corps does well to bring a naval IW cap- or information warfare capability mm-hmm. to the fight? And the fourth priority is modernizing the multi-domain intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance abilities. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. again, leads yeah. back to what you were talking about earlier yeah. with the importance of the messaging yeah. and the information that you have uh, to, to give to the warfighter on the ground. It is. Our intelligence community is exceptional. But as you think about a 2030 fight in a contested uh, domain, information domain, how do you think about providing intelligence mm-hmm. when you're not going to have your network every time you want it. How do you think about using open source intelligence? How do we think about you know, uh, publicly available information? And how do we maneuver in that space to provide that intelligence when it's needed? Just modernizing our approach to providing intelligence in a global mm-hmm. fight. Mm-hmm. And let's talk a bit more about that global fight as it concerns information, and how does the Marine Corps use information to counter the other actors who are operating in this sphere, particularly in areas where maybe the Marines are not on the ground? Yeah. So I think we have always valued our relationships with allies and partners. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, being able to understand what the information environment is. Listen, you don't always have to be there to be able to inform or influence, right? Right. And so um, this is, I think, a team sport. 
we are, you know, working right now, our, our Marines down in Camp Lejeune, MAGTAF, uh, 2nd Marine Expeditionary Force have a really close relationship with the Royal Marines, mm-hmm. right? So how can we work in with Britain. them in Britain? That's right. What you see around the world is, especially some of our closest allies mm-hmm. and partners, everyone is right now trying to think about how do we develop this ability to think and fight in the information environment. And so we're really enjoying uh, that, that opportunity to grow together. Do you compete or think of competing with Russia and China? Because people listening to the podcast know that we've had conversations about Russia and China and their efforts in the information space. Do you focus on that at all? Those two as global actors in this space? Yes, we absolutely do. You know, the Marine Corps' principal focus right now is against what we think is our peer adversary, which is China. Mm -hmm. And so as you look at what our commandant issued his commandant's planning guidance, and we are right now inside the Marine Corps thinking hard about what does our force need to look like mm-hmm. more holistically mm-hmm. in that uh, competition against a rising China. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think um, we're in a fascinating time, mm-hmm. uh, Bev, in our history. Mm-hmm. And I think this idea of being and fighting in the information age where, you know, the borders, as I mentioned earlier, the borders are not clear anymore. Right. There are a lot of people who are involved in this during the competition phase very active challenge, mm-hmm. very active challenge. And what you see from our competitors is a whole of government approach. It's a whole of government approach. And you anticipated my next question because yeah. people can't work in isolation no. in the information environment anymore. No, no, we can't. But I am encouraged by what I am seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so all of the services, by the way, are growing a capability to, to be able to think this way. Um, More and more, you see us looking at things like protecting critical technologies. Mm -hmm. Hard to do when we are coming from this whole global industrial environment where supply chains are global and things like this, right? But I see the department coalescing around this need to, you know, protect technologies. Think about things like 5G and what you hear the government talk about with regard to Huawei. Uh And, And that's important. That's really important to us. So I because do, it's going to impact how you collect time. information yeah. and being able to trust yeah. what you're getting, right? Listen, we have to think about how we're going to fight in an environment that has invested in Huawei 5G technology. What does that mean to us as warfighters when we show up and we, we have to use that spectrum and, and, and you have these smart cities? I mean, there's a lot of thinking that you have to do to be able to counter that kind of technology. Uh-huh. And... Speaking of the technology and the tech industry, what's the tech industry's role here? You mentioned Huawei, and obviously they work closely, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, there's a close relationship between Huawei and the, and the government of China. Yeah. What's the role of the tech industry in this country in terms of working with the Marines and the rest of the military and, frankly, the whole of government? Yeah. So obviously the rules are a little bit different for us here in the United States, right? But we can't do this without the tech industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because when you look at where we were in the Cold War, which is, you know, the, a lot of the R&D dollars and mm-hmm. a lot of the technologies mm-hmm. really came from combat development capabilities, mm-hmm. precision guidance, munitions and things like that. So we're kind of in a different state right now where industry really has the lead on so many of these technologies. So we have to have those partnerships. And are there opportunities? Tremendous opportunities. We have amazing partners in industry. And I think I'm not concerned about this. I think um, there are enough patriots out there that understand what it means to be an American and why living in a society like we have enables 
mm-hmm. uh, industrial growth and so forth. But I'm sure the Marines are working or again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you're working, you know, with your own uh, cadre of troops who may have an interest in all of the things that the tech industry provides. You know, is there an effort to foster innovation within yeah, the we, Marine Corps? Yeah, we do. We have uh, shark tanks and mm-hmm. uh, we have makers labs, if you will, in our logistics community where we are uh, incentivizing Marines to just bring new technologies, bring new thoughts to us, uh, 3D printing and some of those capabilities. Mm-hmm. Marines mm-hmm. love doing this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And by the way, we have a really smart force out there. And so um, a lot of our best ideas come from them. Yeah. And is this something that the rest of the government, if not already looking at, should be looking at in terms of looking for innovation from within uh, the ranks? I think that really is going to be one of our edges in this whole fight is is bringing the whole team to the fight and, uh-huh. and, and uh, solving some of these problems. And is information warfare literally the warfare of the future? Do you think we will see less actual battlefield kind of fights and yeah. the fights are now going to be cyber and AI related? You know, it's a really fabulous question. Um, when you think about the impact that an event in space might ha- have right. or an event in cyber might have, it is a really fascinating question mm-hmm. to think about what strategic deterrence looks like today Right, right. when you have now so many other domains to think about. So I think it's a fabulous question, but I don't have the answer to it. Mm-hmm. I do think that it, it is fundamentally changing how we are thinking about deterrence and de-escalation. Mm-hmm. You have to consider all of these forces now. I want to shift gears a, a bit and talk about women in the Marines. Okay. Um, you have been in the Marine Corps for the better part of three decades and mm-hmm. an incredible career. How did you succeed? Because this is not the service that's exactly known for yeah. for women. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so many lessons learned uh, along the way. I think got really lucky I will tell you that, and mm-hmm. um, there's uh, a lot of that because I grew up as a communications officer mm-hmm. in the Marine Corps, and that MOS, that military occupational specialty, for me, led to a lot of uh, command opportunities. Mm-hmm. The Marine Corps values command. As an officer, it's important that you are standing in front of a formation and you are given the opportunity to show that you can lead. I think I learned early on that um, the way that you earn respect and that you become credible is first you got to physically you got to be able to carry your own pack right Right. but I also learned along the way that just focusing on doing the basics well Mm -hmm. I played basketball in college and my coach was wonderful and everything that I learned playing basketball absolutely translated into being a, a good marine officer small unit leadership doing the basics well taking care of the team being part of the team, not trying to be the best player on the court, trying to be the best player at my position. All of those things lend themselves to being a Marine Corps officer. Um, it helps that I just love being a Marine. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think I was lucky. I think I learned that I needed to be deliberate with my reputation. Uh-huh. And I think that's important for young, for young gals coming into the Corps today is be deliberate about the reputation that you want to grow. I want to pick up on a point you mentioned you played uh, uh, basketball, and you're the second person on the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast to talk about how being a member of a team, a sports team, 
uh, taught them many lessons in leadership. Uh, our listeners will remember Sue Gordon, yep. who is the former principal deputy director yep. of national intelligence, talked about playing basketball at Duke yep. and how a lot of the things she learned about leadership, she learned because she yeah. you know, was an, was an athlete. I grew up playing sports. I played soccer. I played basketball. I played softball. Very comfortable, you know, in a team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, I mean, I just, all of it, it translates into the values that we are seeking in our leaders in the United States Marine Corps today. Well, I can't let you leave without asking uh, about how the Marines can make the atmosphere or the environment within the Corps more welcoming for women. Uh, our listeners will remember the Marines United scandal. Yeah. Can you talk about challenges for the women in the Marine Corps and how it should work to make it more welcoming? Yeah, you know, I I think um, if there was one thing that I think that would help, it would be how we think about diversity Mm -hmm. in the Marine Corps. I think that, you know, if you think about uh, the competition that we have ahead of us, our ability to bring together, again, it goes back to building the team. You know, and I tell this uh, story all the time that if I was going to build a house, I wouldn't want a toolkit of hammers. I want something. Of, I want all the tools in the toolkit. I want everything that might be available to me. That's how we have to think about building the Marine Corps of the future. I want all comers. And so I think if we just thought differently about the force that, that we're trying to build, we would think differently about how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to all the services, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we talk about diversity like that, but that's my message. And I think that at the deck plate level mm-hmm. uh, would build more respect. Mm-hmm. And with respect comes how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. Is the atmosphere better today than it was a few I, years ago? I, I think so. I think I think it's something that we are always going to have. Listen, make no mistake. This is, a, this is a young person's game and this is a young man's game. And like I said, Marine Corps is always going to be our principal job is to close with and destroy the enemy. That is that is what we mm-hmm. exist for. So young gals that are coming into the Marine Corps, they need to be ready to compete in that environment. But we need all comers as well. And so I just think um, I think there's room for everybody. And I think um, every MOS is open now. Every single one. But women can do anything they want in the Marine Corps right now. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. Not the Marine And that's Corps. also a recent change. Not the Marine Corps I joined. Right. Not the Marine Corps joined. So I'm optimistic. Um, I'm hopeful. But, you know, it's going to take hard work and it's going to take uh, leaders at all levels to to think differently. Lieutenant General Lori Reynolds, pleasure to have you here. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks again for having me. Subscribe to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to good content. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smart Women and I'm at Beverly Kirk. Thanks for listening. See you next time.